Hello and welcome back to the PAL with Reb T, the Pirkei Avos Learning, the year where we talk a Mishnah of Pirkei Avos per day with sagely commentary and practical advice to say. We're in Season 4, Chapter 5, Mishnah 5, Hey, Hey. We have just about 30 Mishnahs left. We're God willing going to try to make it to mid or late May. And then we'll be done for season four. God willing, we try to come back. We'll try to come back. God willing, we will come back for season five with another Meforash, another commentator. We're probably also going to take a week off for Pesach or so. Let's talk ten. Ten more miracles talked about. There were ten miracles performed for our ancestors in the temple. No woman ever miscarried because of the smell of the meat of the sacrifices. The meat from the sacrifice never became putrid. A fly was never seen in the place where the meat was butchered. The high priest never saw an omission on Yom Kippur. On the night of Yom Kippur, the rain never extinguished the fire of the wood of the altar. And the wind was never dispersed, the column of the smoke. The column of the smoke was never dispersed by the wind. And there was never disqualification in the Omer, the two loaves, or the Lechem Hapanim. They, when they stood, they were crowded, but when they bowed, there was ample space. A snake or a scorpion never caused harm in Yerushalayim. No one ever said to his friend, there is no room for me to sleep in Yerushalayim. These miracles are interesting that they are noted, that they are explained, because these are miracles that were done literally just so that people would have more comfort in the Aliyah Laregel and in the Beit HaMikdash itself. There was never smells from the Karbonos. There were never flies. Hashem wanted it to be a comfortable experience, wanted it to be an enjoyable experience. When people came, that there was room and there was space for them to come to your Shalim to be Aliyah Laregel. And when people were around, no, no pregnant lady was harmed. The Kohen Gadol wasn't disqualified. Hashem made it in a way. These miracles helped there to be comfort, helped them to be able to do things and not to have things, you know, be inconvenient or be disqualifying for them. The, the smoke never moved around. Things were done in a manner that seemed natural, but Hashem made it that nothing would, would disqualify things and nothing would bother things. In life, we have to remember and realize, like we talked about yesterday, everything in life is a miracle. It could be a hidden miracle or it could be an uh, open miracle. It could be with another name given to it or whatnot, but in general, what Hashem does for us is always miraculous. We don't even know how many things He does for us. You know, driving around, Hashem caused it that the car, instead of crashing into somebody, instead, like, veered off the road and went into a field because the brakes didn't work or something crazy. Hashem made it that uh, the train was okay for you, even though there was a faulty line. Hashem worked it out that nobody got hurt. There's so many things that Hashem does, so many examples every day. Hashem takes care of us, and we don't even know, we don't even recognize, we don't even appreciate and realize what He's doing for us. Sometimes it's done in a natural way, sometimes it's done in, a, in an open way, but it's always done with Hashem caring for us, taking care of us, and being good to us. Kol manda avad rahman avad 
We learn from Rabbi Akiva. And Gamzu Latovi, we learn from Nachem Mishgamzu, his teacher. Hashem always does good for us, always does nice things for us, and always takes care of us. We don't even realize it half the time. We don't even recognize half the time what he does for us, but he's always involved in helping us. The idea of Hashkacha, how this and this just happened to work out, how this and this happened, how I had the feeling to do this, I had the inclination to do this, all comes from Hashem. And everything throughout our Jewish history, Hashem was always there behind the scenes taking care of everything, especially in the Midbar for the Jews, and especially in the times of the Beit HaMikdash. May we be Zochem to have another Beit HaMikdash soon, speedily in our days, in order to actually see miracles up close again. So ten miracles performed. The meat of the sacrifices offered on the outer altar, Rabbi Yonah explains, was entirely consumed by the fire, giving off the smell of roasting meat. It is forbidden to derive any personal use or benefit from the sacrificial meat, but God protected the woman all those years so that they would not miscarry as a result of the smell. Based on the idea of Yuma, if a fetus smells food in Yom Kippur, it can cause the mother to have cravings for that food, which can put her life and the life of the fetus at risk. The notes point out the miracle of the temple is that no woman ever had such cravings when they smelled the meat of sacrifices. Meat never became putrid. It was permitted to eat the meat from offerings of lesser holiness known as Kachim Kalam for two days and one night. Even though the meat was left standing for so long, it never developed worms. A fly was never seen. This was due to the sanctity of the location. The high priest never saw the omission. It would have invalidated him for the service and he would have had to be replaced by his deputy. Although it was known that this would not happen, a deputy was always readied. Because we can't rely on miracles. As the Torah tells us, don't test God. This is explained in the Yerushalmi Talmud. And the rains never extinguished the fire of the wood. The fire of the, on the outer altar in the temple courtyard burned continuously. The wind never dispersed the column of smoke. The smoke always rose from the altar in an, unright, in an upright column. Never disqualification of the Omer. The Omer's sacrifice consisted of barley. After this sacrifice was offered, the Jews were permitted to eat grain from the new crop. It was never disqualified by being taken outside the walls of the temple courtyard or by being left overnight. The two loves, these were offered to permit menachos to be brought from the new crop. It was never disqualified by being taken out of the temple courtyard or by being left overnight. Lelechem upon him, on the Sabbath day, the shall arrange them. Vayaku points out, new loaves of lechem upon were placed on the table every Shabbos, and each week the old loaves were as fresh and as warm as they had been the day they were made. How amazing is that? A week later, just as fresh as when it came out of the oven. As it says, to place warm bread on the day it is removed from Shmuel Aleph. These loaves were never disqualified by being taken out of the temple courtyard or by being left overnight. They had to be eaten during the week after they were removed from the table. If any had been left over until the following Shabbos, it would have been disqualified, but this never happened. When they stood, they were crowded. When they bowed, there was space. They would stand in the temple courtyard in rows, crowded together side by side. Miraculously, when they bowed, there was plenty of room. No one would push against his neighbor. Snake or scorpion never in Yerushalayim harmed. This never happened when the masses of people came to Yerushalayim for the festivals. No one ever said, there's no room for me. When the people came to Yerushalayim for the festivals, no one ever said, this place is too crowded for me. Move aside from me so that I may dwell. As David Melech said, the built city of Yerushalayim, it is like a city united. In other words, the city was built to accommodate the entire nation. The word it means for its sake. Yerushalayim was built for the sake of the Jewish nation so that they could all gather there. We should take note, by the way, as a side note, of the idea of how it was a miracle that everyone had space.
but we should realize and, and understand and how they never said there wasn't any room. In general, we should take it to mind, take it to heart. How much space do we have? You know, we take it for granted. You know, I want this kind of house, this kind of house. My house is too small. My house isn't big enough. Do you know what the Jews had in the in the desert? They had a little tiny tent. Do you know what they had throughout the years? They might have had a one-floor structure, a tiny square. Do you know what they had in many difficult times when they were hiding in the world wars and in inquisitions and crusades? They had nothing. They had maybe one bedroom, two bedroom. My friend tells me how he grew up in a two-bedroom apartment with eight children, and somehow they were happy and they didn't feel crowded or cramped. And we, we, American and Gullah Jews, even in Israel and beyond, we complain we don't have enough room, we don't have enough space, it's not big enough, it's not big enough, and I'm very guilty of this. But in general, we should realize that we're blessed. If they could go to Yerushalayim, the entire nation, and they never complain there's no space, how was it that everyone fit in? Hashem made it. Even if there was enough space, there was a lot of people, but nobody complained. Allah has come of a comma. How much more so we ourselves have to appreciate the space we have, whatever we have. If it's a one-bedroom, two-bedroom, three-bedroom apartment, if it's a studio apartment, if it's a ranch house, if it's a colonial house, or a tutor, or a split, or a cape, whatever. You think it's a small house versus a big house. Hashem gives you what you need. Hashem gives you the space you need. We shouldn't complain, and we should feel like we have enough space. Even when we feel crowded, we shouldn't feel crowded. We shouldn't feel like that. We should take a step back and realize Hashem gave us the space. Hashem gave us the ability and we should all be Zohar in Israel, but they have very different house setups there. And I talk about it with my wife all the time. What's the smallest amount of room we could actually live with? A two-bedroom, three-bedroom apartment's really too small for us. Four-bedroom apartment, maybe. Maybe a duplex, two floors, an attached house would really be the best. They don't really have standalone houses, even small ones like we have here. What would we be able to live with? What would we do? But if Mashiach came tomorrow, we'd figure it out. We'd figure out what we would need. Hashem would give us what we need. So maybe in our own lives, whatever house we're given right now is exactly that. That's what we need. That's what we're supposed to have. And we should all be zochet to go to Shalim. We should go to Aliyah Laregel. And we should too also not feel overcrowded and not feel too crowded. And we should be zochet to enjoy our space, to enjoy our families, whatever dwellings we have, whatever cars we have, whatever material things we have, and whatever spiritual things that we have. We should learn from the Mishnah that it was a miracle that there was space, but in our own life we should feel miraculous that we're given what we're given, and we should feel like we have the space, we should feel like we have exactly what we need every single day of our entire lives. Join us next time as we talk about 10 things created on Erev Shabbos at Bein HaShemashos here on the PAL with Reb T, and I'm your host, Reb T.